Hi, John. Thanks very much for your time today on this podcast. I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to be talking about technical obsolescence. Yeah, looking forward to it. You know, looking at your website, so you're working with defence, medical, aviation, rail space, you know, automotive as well. And so if you could tell us a little bit about Winslow Adaptics. We're involved in in a market that has traditionally been involved with solving obsolescence. So so as you, as you mentioned, the kind of sectors that we're involved in, you know, these are not um, kind of markets where where um, your your smartphone lives. These are markets which perhaps are not are not as internet connective. Um, they don't have so many sort of perhaps risks in 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 that term. Um, but but there is a complete infrastructure which is dedicated as we are to solving the problems along the maybe 10, 20, 30, even even fifty year lifespan of some of these pieces of equipment. Right, um, and that's that's what we what's what we do. We've kind of built a business around solving obsolescence problems. So we are we are almost competing with design engineers to do a redesign of their own product. But what happens when, um, let's say, in this situation where a chip is not available, so they think, well, we'll redesign the board for the new chip. The the problem that's that's going to occur there is that if they have stock of of half half built, or if they have other components or whatever in, you know, just in time, ready to be, ready to be built. They're going to have to scrap some of that equipment. So, mm-hmm. so that's one thing. There's, there's scrappage, and secondly, you know, there's this there's this problem downstream with repair and and uh, overhaul that actually suddenly it's a different board. So they've got two different versions of the board, and this one won't work with that one. And this component, obviously, the original component that caused the redesign is not available. So the first version of boards can no longer be repaired. So right. what we're doing essentially by providing an adapter-based solution is giving this giving this solution will will go into the past and into the future. So we can go we can go into the past and repair it or overhaul it. Yeah, we can go into the future and do the same thing when the time comes with with the future modules without actually having this this sort of further obsolescence problem made out of a redesign. Uh, presumably, then a customer, potential customer, could come to you and say, John. Give me some advice. What's the best thing to do here? You know, should we do a redesign, or actually, can you breathe new life into this with what's currently there today? And you could do the cost benefit Absolutely. analysis for you them, know, couldn't you? There, there are times when redesign is, you know, I don't want to say that that's the, that's a bad solution. That's that's yeah. There, there are times when redesign is the right thing to do. You know, and I, I'm thinking of, <clears throat> excuse me, I was I was having a conversation with um, um, somebody I know that's involved in obsolescence in the in the in the train, the railway industry. So we're talking rolling stock here. And he was saying to me that they have contracts that maybe last. So so this is the manufacturer has a maintenance contract that lasts for a period of time. And throughout that time, they might have a perhaps a period of time when they will do a redesign. Like you've, you've probably seen them in the trains. I know we have we have our local trains that are, are refurbished trains that have come from somewhere else. So quite often, halfway through this lifespan of the of the rolling stock, there's a, there's a sort of a redesign that sweeps through. So so what we've seen recently is is USB sockets creeping into 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 trains. You know, Wi-Fi has appeared. Digital um, communications have appeared at the top, telling you where the train's going. And yeah. they're the sort of things that are done perhaps mid time through the through the life of the rolling stock. So so there is a good place for redesign. But at right. the same time, the other 15 years either side of that redesign, yeah. there's there's constant obsolescence to be dealt with. Can you give us like just give us a typical scenario of a customer then, somebody who might come to you, the sort of problem they might have and, and how you've helped them in the past. 
Sure. So, so, so typical, typical thing for us will be will be our Adaptix program, which is something where a customer would come to us and say, you know, this chip that I've been using in this assembly, whatever it is, some, some electronic assembly, yeah. this chip is no longer available. Now, it could mm-hmm. be that it's obsolete, so it's it's permanently not available. Yeah, uh, and it could be that it's temporarily obsolete, so it's it's got a diminished supply, maybe for fifty-two weeks, like the semiconductor crisis that we had. Which right, okay. to many companies will be as good as obsolete. So they would come to us, and we would say, "Well, look, we would scour the market. We would find, in, in honesty, without getting too complex, we, we would we would find a similar chip mm-hmm. of some kind, maybe a different footprint, maybe a slightly different technology, and yeah. we would design an adapter, which would mean that 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 chip would actually work on the old board, right." Um, and the key thing here is it will work on the old board, the board previous to that, the, bo- the board in the future. This is this is compatibility right. forwards and backwards, which which really means that people are not are not wasting, they're not scrapping stock, uh, and it, and it's not we're, we're keeping the repair and the remanufacturing processes going in the future as well. The main thing that's driving this for you is what it's always been driving it. Then is that you know these products are becoming older, they're becoming less efficient. Um, uh, or are the drivers for the business changing as we go into the 21st century? So, you know, it's all about ESG, isn't it? It's all about uh, reducing impact on the environment. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a huge change here because what we've been doing, um, really, what Winslow has been doing for the last nearly 50 years yeah. is um, we th- was always just the right thing to do for us, which was, you know, making um, components available for people to continue the the if you like the, uh, to to improve the longevity of, of products. Yeah. What what we kind of realise with the way the world has turned is that actually that's the only way that we should be working. You know, we should all be doing this, and whether we whether we're making smartphones or or we're making radar, you yeah. know, we should we should all be making that kit last as long as possible. I think um, circular economy really fits. You yes. Know, you're you're fixing things. You're making them last longer. You're breathing new life into them. So obviously, then that means those resources don't come out of the ground. Energy doesn't get used in making that stuff again. Do you know? Do you know what we find the biggest problem um, with with this kind of service that we offer, and that people people are, are still putting their heads in the sand, if you yeah. like. So they're still sort of thinking, oh, "It probably won't happen to me. Um, I'll probably be okay. They'll it'll probably come back in stock by the time I need it." Right. And really, what what we're suggesting is, is people just face it, face the reality. Be yes. prepared for that reality, even if it doesn't happen, um, yes. because it's a lot. It's a lot easier to do it when there's no pressure. So you know, talk to us, talk to people like us before you actually hit that problem. That's that's an important message, I think. Think about it first. So, to what extent can your customers get a good understanding of when things are going to fail? Is that part of what oh, the, the specifications? I think certain certain elements of obsolescence are predictable, right? So. You know, you you see um, a a, uh, a chip company, an integrated circuit manufacturer, um, is taken over by another one. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? You know, there's going to be a rationalisation of of the ranges of of yeah. one or the other or both of those two two companies. They wouldn't have come together if there wasn't some kind of a sort of cooperation potentially between between the two. So yeah. you can expect some obsolescence there. You can expect technology changes um, along the way. You know, perhaps less so in critical environments than in, in smartphones, um, but but it does. So you can see when a new technology comes along, maybe the old stuff's going to go obsolete. When right. new manufacturing techniques come along, maybe the others are going to go obsolete. And also, you know, 
We're seeing now uh, at the moment in 2023 that the, the chip crisis, was, people are saying it's coming to an end. People are saying that the actual chip sales are going to go down this year. Okay. Um, now, that in itself is another opportunity for obsolescence to creep in because, you know, what, what the chip manufacturers are going to be looking for is profitable lines. Yeah. And the ones that sell, you know, 300 components to somebody making some weird old thing from the 1980s. Yep. And they're not going to be there, you know. That, so, so you can see there is a predictability about the patterns that are occurring in in the semiconductor industry. So, just be aware of those. Right. Um, there are even um, so- software programs out there. There are many, many different software programs out there that that monitor and compile information of of last time buy dates and so on for for yeah. semiconductors. So, there are there are ways, there are things people can do to mitigate that risk before. Before the inevitable happens, and they get uh, they get stuck without without chips. Do you know what's interesting? I've done um, a spring spring into early summer period of exhibitions um, around the country, and I found everybody who's involved in electronics in some way, whether it's procurement, um, design, you know, or, or project managing, <clears throat> excuse me, have all been really excited to genuinely excited to speak to us about what we're doing because. Whether they have a need for it at the moment, they support the principle. So they right. they can see the reasons why we're doing what we do and why we might at some point in time in the future be able to help them. I understand you're also involved with the International Institute of Obsolescent Management, if I've got that right. Now, what these are, these are professionals that are involved in industry, in very often primes in the sectors that you mentioned. So these are these are top tier people um, and they're all involved in, in coming together, A, networking together to sort of discuss the solutions and the problems that they've had but also yep. b there's qualifications there's a structure of, of members meetings and and indeed we're having a conference in october in 2023 um so it's this great opportunity to learn from others you know rather than making your own mistakes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's an opportunity like- to learn from others and and the systems that they put into into place for particularly as i was talking earlier on about monitoring uh, upcoming obsolescence and and dealing with it in a in a structured, predictable way, they can. Uh, there's a system whereby they can come along if they're interested to a members meeting for free of charge. Yeah. Um, the first meeting is free. There are lots of different ways to join, and um, obviously there's there's as I mentioned the the conference that's coming along. So lots of different things they can do. They, they can go and find a website which is um, iiom.org. Right. Okay. Which is the, which is their website, or hopefully we can share, or they can get in touch with me on LinkedIn or whatever, and I I can share details with them. I'm just thinking, you know, if somebody's watching this, how could they think to themselves, okay, I want to go give John a call because, you know, we haven't checked our end of life or end of support agreements on our kit, and how would we do that? Could they come to you and find out about that? Sure, they can. Um, you know, one of the great things about this obsolescence community that we work in is that everybody is is keen to share information um we're not in in we're not in competition with each other as such you know so there is a good information sharing sort of situation um and and even if do you know what if people come to me and they want to know something that i i don't i can't help them with or i don't necessarily know the answer i will know somebody who does and can okay so i would encourage people yeah to get if they're interested to find out more to get in touch with me and i'll find them the answer Brilliant. Sounds excellent. And I think just going back to those original reasons, efficiency, increased, you know, risk, security risk, lack of competitiveness, 
increased maintenance costs um, and uh, yeah, just lack of comp compatibility with other systems means that this needs to be something I would have thought that you know every company, every IT, every electronics company really needs to have on its radar um, in some shape or form, you know. And um, is there a document that they would have, you know, within their IT department that is like the end of life document or the end of service document or the upgrade document? Yeah, there is, you know, there is within this sort of training from the from the IOM, the, the Institute, um, you know, there are obsolescence management plans. Sort of most engineering companies, there's some kind of quality standard. We've we, That's been established for decades. You know, the, the obsolescence standard is something newer and um, it's something that perhaps less companies have, but it's something they really should have. And it does, we were talking earlier on a little bit about ESG and it links in to the ESG systems of like principles of, of a of a corporate in particular. Mm. So it's just so, about longevity and about doing the right thing by the world. So so an obsolescence management plan could be a really key document that uh, organizations could go look for and say, okay, you know, how what, what kit have we got? How old is it? What are we going to do with it? What's its life expectancy? You know, how can yeah. we make it last longer? And if they haven't got one, maybe you could be you'd be able to create that for them. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's you know it's a great career opportunity at the moment because you know lots of people are looking for jobs. Um, you know, following the Great Reset, if you like, if if that was if that's the thing, um, yeah. they're looking for jobs perhaps that that support more sustainability and and just a general interest in in the welfare of the world. And yeah. you know, obsolescence is is a great place for that. You yeah. know, there's an opportunity for them. It's a grow it's if it's a growing market. It's a great opportunity for new people to come into the industry um, right. and really take it on and bring us some enthusiasm. I think that would be great. Is it an area of industry, area of expertise um, that's getting missed by a good number of companies, or they just? just don't I think, think it is. It? I think it. You know, obviously, lots of people have had a difficult time. Like it's not been, it's not mm -hmm. been an easy place to be in electronics or in manufacturing for that for that matter. I think over the last, certainly the last three years. Yeah. Um, and I think that that puts everybody in a position where they're on the back foot, you know, and they've been, you know, maybe maybe staffing has been has been reduced. Maybe maybe they're not in the best position to be planning in up front. Right. So so I think, yes, I think there is an there is a possibility that there's there's more people or more companies in that situation than you would expect. Right. They could use this service. Brilliant. So just give us your contact details then, please, John, your website address and email. Okay, so yeah, website is um, winslowadaptics.com. So it's okay. Winslow, W-I-N-S-L-O-W, winslowadaptics.com. Okay, brilliant. And if anybody wants to contact you directly? Um, yeah, well, they can, you know, I have my email address. They can have my email address if they want. And it's, it's quite simply John D, D for Dyson, at winslowadaptics.com. J-O-H-N. J-O-H-N, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. That's uh it's been really, really, really insightful and really helpful to speak with you, John, about this, to learn more about it. And uh really just want to thank you again for your time on this podcast. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. Bye now. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.